Hello everyone and welcome to NGF News. My name is Alec and we have Joshua Cheatham as well. Um, in today's latest Global Developments episode, uh, we're going to be talking about the siege in northern Kosovo uh, and the North Korea accelerating its nuclear program. Uh, before we get started, I just want to tell everybody to go ahead and uh, uh, visit our website at www.ngfnews.com. We have a bunch of articles coming out this week. Um, and to also visit our socials as well. We will be getting TikTok up and running soon. So if you don't want to listen in on these uh, very long podcasts, um, you can listen in on our, our TikToks. It will be snippets uh, of our podcast anyways. So something to look forward to. Yeah. So we're going to go straight into it. and We're going to be talking about the siege in northern Kosovo. So about a week ago, um, there has been a uh, Serbian terrorist attack. Uh, in the north of Kosovo, in the in the village of ba Banjask, Banjask. Oh my. Okay. Anyway, uh, so about 30 heavily armed Serbians entered that village and they held up siege uh, in a Orthodox monastery. Um, there were some casualties involved, uh, mostly being from uh, the death of one or two uh, Kosovo uh, police officers. I'm not entirely sure what the exact count is, but there were one or two deaths. Um, with four of the Serbians uh, arrested uh, of the 30. The other 26 fled back to Serbia. Uh, Prime Minister Albin Kurti stated that the attackers had uh, equipment from Serbia, including grenades, machine guns, uh, ammunition, and also suggesting support from Serbian army, uh, which the Kos a Kosovo news source called RTV Klan uh, has uploaded pictures to their Facebook showing when, at the time of the arrest, uh, they found in the monastery um a uh they found guns ammo heavy weaponry um like machine guns and grenade launchers attack plans uh serbian id cards cash bank cards and they also found what was it oh it was like a, a rally cry that was written in serbian about taking over the north of kosovo um the goal of the attack was to raise tensions and to potentially start uh a war um on September uh, 24th, but the police, the Kosovan police, and NATO thwarted this uh, this plan. Uh, this all stems from a long uh, problem stemming from 2021 for uh, about the uh, municipalities in northern Kosovo. Um, so the issue was that the Serbian majority uh, in northern Kosovo felt that they did not have a representation um, in in that region. Um, so. What they did was this. This kind of stems from the Kosovan government um, kind of telling the Serbians in the region that they had to switch their car plates and their identification to Kosovan documents, and this would kind of stir up a municipality um, issue. So what the Kosovans did um, to kind of correct this issue, uh, along with the recommendation of the international community, um, is that they held the elections um, in order to ensure that the Kosovans felt that they had uh, their majority. Um, but what the, Kosovo, uh, the Serbians did, uh, they boycotted that ballot. So the only that they boycotted that election. So there were only Albanians left uh, on the ballot. And logically, Albanians would be the only one left on that ballot. Um, so they were elected by majority. And Serbians, who were furious from this, though they were the ones that boycotted, keep in mind, uh, protested out of the government buildings in northern Kosovo. And keep in mind that had they went and voted, they would have had the majority in the municipalities. Then the bright minds at the EU uh, and the United States um, said, 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here, Kosovo? You said you were gonna you were gonna promise them this uh, and that we condemn you for for this. But then here we are where we gave them their chance and they didn't want to take that chance back then. And now they're attacking Kosovo. They're attacking the north of Kosovo for this reason. And yet it was Kosovo's fault. And the international community has failed to kind of condemn the Serbian, um, condemn Serbia, even though they seem to have found kind of, before it was little involvement, but now they're highly suggesting that there might have been some connection within the Serbian high-level government. Yeah. Well, this is all very interesting. And, you know, I have not been as up-to-date as I think I should have been on this issue. So when I did the research on this, uh, it was kind of mind-boggling to see exactly um, the, how the Serbians have been and former Yugoslavia have been harming the Albanian minorities, that minority group in Kosovo. And, you know, when the Kosovo Liberation Army emerged in 1996, you know, to attack Serbian police after they were being, um, I'd say, uh, I'm going to say just by harmed through violence. Um, and they, they made attacks on Serbian police and politicians. And it, it was like, well, what did they expect when they were harming, you know, ethnic Albanians in the region? And now it seems like another cycle that's going to happen again. Kosovo is not recognized by the United Nations, which therefore is not recognized by almost 193 nations. Um, and, and there's probably some discrepancy there. But the international community has come has failed in another instance to back a, a nation that won an election in its own right. That's just that's how it is. It's how that's the facts. Yeah. And the other part of it is that well, the, one of the biggest reasons is Serbia is backed by Russia. I mean, how, what are you going to do? Fight a proxy? Fight another proxy war? It's it's a big it's a big difficult question. It's a big difficult situation. And what can the international community do moving forward? I think the international community, the first thing they should do. Uh, which they should have is actually condemn uh, Serbia for funneling these uh, these weapons to the hands of these far right extremists. Um, the international community has failed in doing that, but they're in monitoring and investigating the situation because the international community is trying to not throw f uh, fuel to the fire and trying to get uh, Kosovo the independence they need um, to kind of get that recognition because Kosovo is recognized by 130 plus countries. Um, they still need countries like Russia, China, um, and other countries as well. Countries like Spain and Greece too that also need to to recognize uh, Kosovo, which they they do on the back end, but not on the front end. Because should they recognize Kosovo, then Greece will have a northern Cyprus problem, and then Spain would have a Barcelona problem, so on and so forth. Um, but 130 countries do recognize Kosovo's independence, um, and the, the issue here that the international community is has failed is to kind of condemn Serbia. I mean, it's it's very clear that this was a Serbian far-right terrorist attack, and these weapons were funneled with the, help, with the help of the Serbian government, and there's plenty of proof that exists out there by local news sources that have found substantial evidence. Um, and even the, the prime minister, the president of Serbia, has publicly, like, um, how do I explain this? Like, they, they, they are... 
um, they kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Condem what opposite of condemn? They have publicly uh, like uh, formally announced that it was them. Like, like commended, like they commended. They've the, oh, the commended, um, yeah, yeah. The the person who was behind this attack and saying that it's the it's the first steps towards um, representation and bringing back the uh, bringing back Kosovo into Serbia. And how much more evidence do you need to state to show that this was a Serbia government involved attack? And it's people like Borrell and Borrell, which is the EU high representative um, and our Western and the United States' Western Balkan uh, kind of overseer, uh, Gabriel Escobar. They have done little to none. And Escobar just seems to be clueless um, throughout this entire process. He's he's pointing fingers at Kosovo. He's he's blaming Kosovo. He's I, I have not ever since. All I see is him blaming Kosovo and not blaming Serbia for these far right extremists. And I, I might I may sound biased, but I'm just looking at what I found online um, and what's clear what's clear evidence to me. Um, if you guys search up RTV clan on uh, on Facebook, you'll see all the all the pictures that they found um, in that monastery, and it's it's it it blows my mind that we have let this we have gone this far to not um to not do something and it's yeah. it's like what can the international community do the international community can can isolate serbia absolutely they can isolate serbia from from uh from the international stage they have they have many many years of uh of just kind of history of them uh, of ethnic conflicts uh Srebrenica is one of them uh them killing uh, ethnic Albanians in, in Kosovo when they wanted uh, independence during uh, Milosevic's time um, and continuous kind of pushes uh, from Alexander Vucic to kind of revive uh, the Yugoslavia and to take back Kosovo. He said he will form, he will never in his time during presidency ever recognize Kosovo um, as independent when the international community, 130 plus countries say Kosovo is independent. And it's it's times where the UN Charter and all these international kind of laws and regulations about independence and stuff, they're not being upheld. So what do we do? We should start isolating countries from the international stage or try to explain to them the disadvantages of, okay, if you don't do this, then this is what's going to happen to you, whether you whether you like it or not. So, Yeah. Well, the buildup on the border is just one absolute like show force that the Serbian government essentially wants to invade Kosovo. I mean, Russia did the same thing, and we were like, oh, they're just doing an military exercise. It's like, okay, well, look what happened. Uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. This this, this is a problem because you're right. The, the UN Charter absolutely needs to be upheld in these cases. When a country democratically elects people to be their leaders, that's that's the end of it. That's that right there. That's a country. That That's how it should be. I don't care what prior borders were. If it if they democratically elect people to represent them, that was that that's got to be their their country. The UN has to respect that sovereignty. The UN needs to play a bigger role here. The UN needs to see what's going on right now and pr make a preemptive pre preemptive strike in using peacekeepers to come with a diplomatic solution before a sh another shot is fired. And if that does not happen, the NATO needs to to flex its muscles and say, Serbia, this is not going to happen 
on your terms. This is going to happen on the international community's terms. We're going to come up with a solution that's going to benefit both sides. And if that solution is the Kosovo becoming a a state, even though it's recognized by 130 nations, it's not a recognized by the UN. That's that's what it's going to be. And and that's where the international community needs to step in. We need to re- show force in all cases that we are going to come to the aid of people, not just countries, of people whom are being persecuted against their will. I mean, this is a terrorist attack. It is a terrorist attack. There are great pictures on the BBC, an article that I did research on, showing the weapons that they had found, like Alec was saying, in, in, in the church. So they have to look at that and say, this is a problem. We need to go out and find a diplomatic solution instead of just investigating the core issue. We have we have the facts. Stop investigating. Let's start doing action. I totally agree. It's It's so much investigation and so much speculation. And it's like, how much more do you need do we need to show you if the buildup wasn't enough is this enough what what more is what more is enough we failed when we saw the russian buildup like you said and we're doing it again today yeah it's like and and these previous countries that were once part of former yugoslavia they're all independent why can't, why why have we stopped at kosovo what what has been the reason for for kosovo not being its own own uh, own country because of Serbia, all these other countries got their independence from Serbia. It just shows you the the, the ethnic conflict and that that Serbia does not see Kosovo as independent because of um, the Albanians and because that they believe that they laced land claims when even during Tito's power, he understood that there is a there is a uh, majority of. There's a majority Albanian population in the Kosovo region, so he gave them some autonomy during that during his time. When Tito fell and Milosevic came into power, that's when he started uh, to try to cling on to power. And this was during the the, the time when the Soviet Union uh, collapsed, and that Yugoslavia was starting to collapse too because of fears of communism not working, and all these countries yeah. broke out. It's and the thing is, Serbia has a history. Or I should say Serbians have a history. Bosnia and Herzegovina. That's one where they murdered people. They brutal they had a brutal genocide in Bosnia. Then you have Croatia who went to war or well the I don't know the other Croatians who, who who broke off and had to fight their way from the Serbians and are now both their own countries. So Kosovo is going through basically the same path, has gone through the same path, and still hasn't been recognized. What's the difference? What's the difference between them and Bosnia? What's the difference between them and and Croatia? Absolutely nothing. And the international community needs to recognize this. And just because this is a a Russian-backed country should not make it a difference. Russia is preoccupied right now. If we go and, and recognize Kosovo, Russia is going to have their backs against a wall if they don't recognize Kosovo themselves. So it's it just the only thing that makes sense. And, and some people might be wondering what are like the benefits of, let's say, solving the Kosovo problem. Uh, if you solve the Kosovo problem, you can solve 
you can use this as precedence for a lot of kind of territorial issues, such as the Taiwan issue, such as the, uh, the Russia-Ukraine war. If you can solve this problem, it will fix the Israel-Palestine issue as well. I want to add on to that as well. It, it, it serves as a precedence that because of ethnic differences does not mean that the United Nations cannot successfully solve um, rec uh, recognition disputes and independent, independence disputes and territorial issues. If you solve this, it, it becomes international precedence for a lot of issues. And you can also finally bring peace uh, into the, the Balkan region. And you can have these countries start their pathway towards the, uh, EU membership, which is what all these uh, Balkan countries are fighting for. It's to be in the EU. Not all of them. There are a few that are in the EU. But countries that, in order to be a part of the EU, need to solve these, these, uh, these issues. And yeah. what does that add? And it's a benefit for the EU because now they're gaining access to, to agricultural uh, ag possibilities for agricultural expansion, uh, more jobs, more more labor markets. It, it's a benefit for for the EU. It's a benefit for the international community. All it all stems from just fixing one issue. I absolutely agree. And, and if there's one thing that we know about the international community is that they not very good at that. They're not very good <laughs> at solving a crisis in terms of ethnic differences, and. I'm not saying that this is easy, but of all the cases in the world, this is probably the least difficult one to, to solve. And by setting the precedence, like Alex said, everything can fall into place. Um, but, but the biggest issue is that you're going to see when the UN goes up, if, if this ever got to a UN vote, that the likes of China, the likes of Israel, the likes of Russia and their allies are going to vote against it because they recognize the precedence that it's setting. And so that's the biggest geopolitical problem is that the UN can not solve these differences because of certain actors in there. And, you know, a whole other subject of why we, we, we discussed in earlier podcasts about reforming the UN Um but that that's that's the biggest issue is that you have those partners who are going to vote against it, and you're not going to solve any issue because of it. No. And and when you call and, and when a president calls those people uh, heroes, I think there should be a fine line that should yeah. be drawn. They they are no heroes. Those those terrorists are no heroes. And I I am shocked that I did not find any article. That calls these people terrorists, but at NGF we're we're, we're going to label them terrorists because that that's what they are. Is that's what terrorism is? That is what domestic terrorism is. If we if this were to happen in the United States, this would be this would be in headlines. Headlines yeah. are right. Domestic terrorism. It's not even domestic extremism. It'd be domestic terrorism. But no no one's ready to the international communities. Playing a playing a very careful game with Serbia, where where Serbia doesn't care about what the international community thinks because they only think of one thing, which is to make sure that Serbia is never uh, to make sure that Kosovo is never independent. While the international community is like, oh no, stop that. <laughs> yeah. So. It's definitely a a sad day uh, in terms of you know what news is because news it, it is very difficult in terms of getting the facts and understanding the information. 
because sometimes uh, because of geopolitical reasons, they're not going to put certain words in an article. And for for us, we, we, we think that that's bogus. We, we, we're going to call it how it is and how we see it. And of course, with the facts in mind, uh, but we, we, we look at this. This is an attack on the people of Kosovo from actors that are not a part of the Serbian government, but we're working with it, apparently, and kill people. That's terrorism. That's straight up what it is. And like you said, if that happened on American soil, if two American police officers were killed by far-right or far-left extremists, you would see that in every headline in the world. And the governments around the world would be flocking to give the U.S. money to help find them. Just like after nine eleven, so what? That's that's a big issue. Is we're not recognizing it. Yep. But I don't have anything else uh, on this. If you wanna, if we wanna go over to, to North Korea now. Yeah, this will be a little bit shorter because it's it's a very easy topic to 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 kind of grasp around. It's a, obviously something that it's been known for a while. But it's just showing a lot of things that are happening in the peninsula at the moment. The Korean Peninsula, North Korea government added a policy more like a constitutional amendment, their 14th Amendment, to grow their nuclear arsenal. It's basically a constitutional amendment that's saying that we're going to continue modernizing and growing our uh, nuclear arsenal. Uh, Kim Jong-un said it was because of the U.S. aggression and spreading its influence within the region. So it's, 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 it's an interesting ploy that's happening from the North Korean government. And uh, I can tell you one thing. South Korea is very upset. I, I'm writing an article on it right now about the militization of the South Korean and the Korean, uh, uh, the Korean Peninsula in general. Please read it when it comes out. It's, it'll be very interesting. Um, but it, it's, it's happening. It's militarizing South Korea and North Korea. Conflict could happen. Yeah, and I want to add on that. It, um, their acceleration of the nuclear program is a full constitutional amendment um, <laughs> in their thing. And basically in their amendment uh, into their North Korean constitution, it says that nuclear weapons are needed in order for its existence and to deter war. So they're basically saying that in their constitution that in order for North Korea to exist as a country, we need a nuclear program. That's That's basically what it means. And it's absolutely hilarious how how serious they are about their nuclear program because they're they're a power. They they see the world as as power, and the person with the most power is the person with the most influence. And North Korea wants wants that influence through through power. Some countries think that um, power is derived from economics, and another power is derived from uh, multiple different kind of like theories on on international relations, but. Kim's is just power, and he wants to do everything he can uh, to build up his nuclear program. Now, this is just this is just a normal day in North Korea. This is just yeah. like just every day. But we, we we're bringing this up because it's it's very interesting to see a country put it as as a part of their constitution. Well, and I'll it, I'll explain it more in the article when it comes out. But the the, the problem that it's coming up is that South Korea is having an issue. Of the security dilemma, which is basically one power is making their military stronger, scaring the other power, which is then making their military stronger, which keeps going back and forth. 
And so South Korea recently just did their first military parade, uh, September 26th, since 2013. So 10 years. It's the wow. 75th anniversary of their armed forces, but it's been 10 years since they've done something like that. Uh, there's a lot of reasons behind it. It's a show of force and exactly the modernization of their military to its partners and its adversaries, but also showing that the, the their people that they're going to be protected. And, and I know for a fact that North Korea is going to be looking at this and saying, well, okay, they're continuing to militarize. This is a problem for us. We need to militarize at our home. And this is going to create a big security problem within the the South China Sea, the Korean Peninsula, and just Asia in general. Because Japan, China, uh, ASEAN, the United States, Australia, India do not want to see conflict, period. China, on the other hand, want Taiwan, but that's a whole different that's a whole different thing. They don't want Korea, North Korea to get in the way of their their hopes of getting Taiwan, so they're not going to want to see this conflict. And so the United States, Japan, India, and other partners are going to be monitoring this situation because a real conflict could happen. There is a nuclear American nuclear submarine in the Korean Peninsula, and, and this is causing real problems right now for the North Koreans and, and, and the South Koreans alike. It's very ironic that North Korea flexes their muscles. We flex our muscles. And then they're like, oh, no, they're provoking us. We must continue to build up more. And, and with the North Korea, with the U.S. sub uh, parked in the North, in the Korean Peninsula, I think it's it, it's things like these that we need to, to maintain um, in order for the protection of South Korea. South Korea is important for the global economy. They are integral. So protecting them as an ally is an absolute must for the United States and a no-brainer. Um, but will will a sort of conflict or war happen uh, anytime soon? I don't I don't think I I don't see it happening. And that's because North Korea knows that the moment they they fire a weapon, it's it's over for for their country. Pyong, Pyongyang will be flattened. Uh, it just oh. it just will be either either yes. by either by uh, the United States or whoever it is that will fire nuclear weapons back at North Korea or a, a full out on the ground um, scenario or air, uh, drone or aerial strikes that will be continuously bombarding um, North Korea until Kim Jong Un steps down. So yeah, you just never know what's going to happen. But I have a great statement from the prime minister. Of uh, South Korea, he said, if North Korea uses nuclear weapons, its regime will be brought to an end by an overwhelming response from uh, the alliance, uh, the South Korea and Washington alliance. And I think that's really funny because they're basically telling North Korea, you launch one weapon, you will cease to exist. Like your people will cease to exist is what they're saying. And. While that is words of strength, it's also words of provocation. They're trying to provoke North Korea, or maybe not trying to provoke, but those words are provoking. They're going to provoke North Korean leaders and Kim Jong-un. And so I think one thing that South Korea needs to maintain is a little bit of composure. Understand that if North Korea does drop a nuclear weapon, nobody's coming to their aid. And yes, lots of people are going to be harmed, but at the end of the day, no one's going to help them. Everyone's going to help you. So be calm. Let the United States and your partners 
use their intelligence to make sure that North Korea will never drop this weapon and, and have the United States be your protector and you continue to protect, but be silent. Don't use these words because the only thing you're doing is going to put Kim Jong-un on a seat where he's going to be like, well, okay, you say this, let me just push the red button. See what, what are you going to do about it? And that's not what we want. You see, I think that it's been a while since the South Korean uh, prime minister has ever said something else like that publicly. Of course, he said his things were like South Korea will protect in a soft but kind of like soft to, to more declarative things. But this is the, the over, uh, overwhelming response uh, kind of statement has been a very big one. And I think it was one that South Korea did need to make um, in, uh, for uh, against North Korea. Because it, it's about time where the, the South Koreans show to the North Koreans that we're sick of you. You know, we're done. We, we've been, we've held our composure and we've held our composure for so long. And we continue, uh, and we will continue to be uh, composed and we will, our integrity will be uh, upheld. But if you want to F around, you're going to find out. I think yeah. that's a fantastic statement um, that the that the prime minister makes, and one that's needed. Um, is yeah. it a little too provocative for North Korea? North Korea finds anything provocative. You that's could you you could say you could say the 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 nuke man bad, and he'll be very he'll be provoked, and he'll continue his build up, and he will continue his build up no matter what, Rocket no matter man. what is said. Yeah, Rocket Man, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> You, you could tell. You could tell. You could call him a rocket man, and he'll be like, "Oh, the United States are terrorists." It's yeah. and North Korea is a very sensitive. Kim Jong Un is a very sensitive person, and he finds yeah. anything to to kind of bounce off. But I think you're right that the, the this should be a one and done kind of thing. That South Korea should say what they want to say, and then go back into to focus on modernizing and continuing their uh, military buildup until North Korea recognizes that, shoot, we have no chance. Here's here's what we can do now. Yeah, and one thing by the the recent thing of uh, Kim Jong Un visiting Putin uh, was probably to assure in a relationship that if if there were to be a war, that Russia would come to its aid in some way. And and the fact is is that yeah, maybe they'll come to their aid, but Russia is spread very thin right now. And let's say it, you know, in, in three years from now, the, the war in Ukraine is continuing, and then North Korea says, you know, screw it, we're going to drop a bomb. I don't, really don't see Russia coming to their aid because they're probably going to be spread so thin in terms of soldiers and, and munitions and, and, and artillery. So that's where the international community needs to step up and basically show North Korea, like, you don't have allies. No one's going to yeah. come to your help if you if you drop this bomb. You're going to feel the, the wrath of Japan, India, ASEAN, the EU, or NATO, and, and, and of course, the United States if you try. And, and the U.S. by itself will cripple you in two days. So please, please don't, don't, don't find out. Don't find yeah. out. And, and the Russians are spread thin, and it, it's proven to spread thin. Part of the, the, the Nagorno-Karabakh uh, conflict happened because the Russians were spread thin in Ukraine. They had to leave that region. Russia is not yep. present in in uh, in Kosovo, uh, not in Kosovo, in Serbia. They're, they're not being they they support Serbia, but they can't support them with uh, assistance to kind of uh, help them with their with their push. Um, 
So they are spread thin around the world. In Africa too, same thing. They they let Wagner kind of just do whatever. They can't really deal with it at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is definitely an interesting development. And then make sure to read the article. I'll, I'll be going more into depth about the, the security dilemma within the region and the Korean Peninsula. But uh, it's it's something to look at that could be potentially scary. Uh, in, in my personal opinion, world, a world war will not start in the peninsula, but that they could be the next center of a war uh, because of the tensions being so high. Yep. Absolutely. So, but I think that's it. Uh, if you have yep. anything else, then great. I'm all good. Cool. So thank you all for listening in uh, into this week's latest global developments. Uh, we'll continue to keep you updated and we will see you in the topic of the week. All right. Have a good one.